Please take your Bibles and open them with me to Mark chapter number 10. Somebody said last week that uh, we have the best music in Pennsville. I didn't argue. And I'm talking about the two young people who were on my left and right. Mark chapter 10, we're going to be reading beginning at verse number 32. This is a passage that confronts us with the sinfulness of a me-first attitude. Something I think, if we're honest, we can all identify with. (laughs) And here Jesus is going to show us that there is nothing more incompatible with following Him than seeking to serve self. So follow along as I read, beginning at verse number 32, Mark chapter 10. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. Verse 35, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to him, said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which I, with which I am baptized. And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will be baptized. You will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Baptized, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, we ask that you take your spirit, by your spirit, you take your word, Use it in a powerful way 
as we have already seen your word displayed in the elements of bread and the cup, seeing the body and blood of our Lord displayed that way. Now, by your Spirit, come, make us new creations. Make us more conformed to the image of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Many years ago, it seems with each year, this seems further in my past, but many years ago I, I taught music and computer class in a private Christian school. I taught kindergarten all the way up to middle school. Actually, I taught all the way up to 12th grade at one point. And part of my duties as an electives teacher was to monitor recess for the little ones. Now, I, I didn't, some teachers mind recess duty, but I, I didn't really mind it. I, I, in fact, usually spent more time playing with the kids than I did watching them. But when it came time to line everybody back up to go inside, there was always that little one who thought that someone jumped in front of him in line, and they'd always say, he cut me. And if they were kindergartners, they would say, he cutted me. And I'd always say, well, I don't see any blood. Do you think you need to go to the hospital? I would always ask them that. Do you think you need to go to, do I need to call, I'd pull my phone out, do I need to call 911? And they would just sort of give me this blank stare. Almost kind of like some of you guys are giving me right now. And I always thought, that was the dumbest thing for these kids to throw a fit about. <laughs> I mean, who cares what place you get in line? But you know that even as children, the sin nature rages inside. And one of the primary manifestations of our sinfulness as humans, our fallenness, is our desire to be first to be preeminent. And even if we don't verbalize it, or even if we don't act out like the kindergartner in the recess line, friends, it's still in our hearts, and the only remedy for this kind of toxic, me-first sinfulness is the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that Mark unfolds for us so beautifully in this passage this morning. Because what we find here is that the way to preeminence in the kingdom of heaven, the way to true greatness and glory, is following Christ through suffering and sacrifice. That's the way to glory. And so I want us to look at these verses using the three main headings that you'll find on your bulletin insert. And the first is that following Christ means going to difficult places. Over the past several weeks now, we've noted many times that Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. In fact, everything that will happen in the Gospel of Mark, everything that Mark tells us about from this point forward, will happen in the last 10 days of Jesus' life. 
He's on his way to Jerusalem now for Passover. In Jerusalem, he will be betrayed, he will be arrested, he will be crucified. Look at verse number 32. 32 has an almost ominous vibe to it. Mark says, They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. There was something different about Jesus here. Something different now. His demeanor had changed. He knows what's ahead. His mind is settled. His heart is ready. His will is determined. Luke 9.51 says that He set His face to go to Jerusalem. This is what He came for. And he's trying to prepare his disciples for the difficult days ahead. And so now for a third time, Jesus talks to them about his impending suffering, death, and resurrection. Look at the end of verse 32. Taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying, see. That word see, your, your translation may say behold. It means listen up. Pay attention. We are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes and they will condemn Him to death and deliver Him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock Him and spit upon Him and flog Him and kill Him. And after three days... He will rise. Friends, this was the most detailed and graphic description that Jesus gave His disciples yet about what will happen to Him in Jerusalem. And this whole experience was certainly unsettling for them. Why is He talking about this brutal death? He is our Messiah. Nevertheless, they followed Him. At a distance. He was ahead. He didn't really understand what was coming. They didn't know that Judas was going to betray the Lord. They didn't know that Peter would deny him. They didn't know that they would all scatter in fear. And that Jesus would be left alone. None of them saw that coming. Even though Christ warned them multiple times. And friends, I wonder if we understand what they didn't understand. (laughs) That following Christ means going to difficult places. Hard places. Places where trial and suffering await. But we must follow Him there. Even if we follow Him at a distance, like they did Because on the backside of tribulation, pain, and death, there is resurrection. Jesus said, after three days, Son of Man will rise. There's always promise embedded in the suffering. After His resurrection, He would restore His scattered, His 
discouraged, depressed, disheartened disciples, and then he would send them out to turn the world upside down in his name. Maybe you've had a situation in your life where you didn't really understand everything that was coming, but you knew it was going to be hard. Maybe you're there right now. Friends, that's the entire Christian life. We don't know what's coming, but it is going to be hard. The life coaches and the motivational speakers filling pulpits in many churches across the land today, pretending to be preachers, they will not tell you that, but it is true. The Christian life is hard. There is no resurrection, no glory without suffering. And oh, how often we just don't get that, do we? We don't get it. We live as if the Lord would never lead us into a place of trial where the very foundation of our faith would be tested. We'd be shaken to our core. That's what He did with these disciples here. And they didn't understand it any more than we do today. And in fact, two of them were about to have one of those, wow, I can't believe they just said that moments. Which brings us to our second point. That following Jesus means acknowledging our selfish ambition. Following Jesus means acknowledging our selfish ambitions. Verse number 35 James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Friends, what an incredible thing to say to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to do whatever we ask. Verse 36, Jesus, he, he played alone. Okay, I'll follow you. He said to them, Well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in glory, in, in, king, in your kingdom. That's what that means. In fact, in Matthew's account of this passage, Matthew's passage of this account, uh, their mother was there <laughs> asking for this place for her sons. Let us sit at your right hand and your left hand in glory in your kingdom. So Jesus is here talking about 10 days away, right? Or, or so, 10 or so days away. He's talking about his suffering and his death. And here James and John were seeking a position of prominence in his kingdom, not the future kingdom, okay? Let's not make any mistakes here. They're not talking about some future millennial reign of Christ like we think of today. They're talking about the political kingdom that they believed that Jesus had come to set up. You see, they were still seeing Christ as a political Messiah who would deliver Israel from Roman tyranny. That's why they couldn't understand why he kept talking about dying. And so Jesus said to them in verse 38, 
you guys have no idea what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Remember in Gethsemane, in a few short days, he will ask his father if it is possible to take that cup away. He said to James and John, are you able to drink this cup? Or to be baptized, baptism in all throughout, water, floods, all symbol of judgment. This is wrath and judgment. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism which, with, with which I am baptized? Are you able to follow me this, down this road, he's asking? Verse 39, they said to him, well, we are able. So not really knowing. You ever answered a question when you didn't really understand it? You just answered it anyway, and you wanted to project the best self that you had, <laughs> give the best answer? We're ready. We are able. But they didn't know what they were talking about, and their answer reveals their misguided self-confidence. These two brothers, James and John, whose fierce personalities had earned them the title Sons of Thunder, Mark 3.17. They were the sons of thunder. They were able to drink the cup. Verse 39, Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, oh, you will drink. <laughs> and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Jesus is like, okay, sons of thunder, be careful what you wish for. Because you will drink this cup of suffering soon enough. And friends, they did. James and John, about 14 years later, James, this is, we call him James the Great. He was the more prominent. This is not the James who wrote the epistle of James. It's different. That was the brother of the Lord. This is James the Great. Fourteen years after Christ said these words, he would be the first apostle, first apostle martyred with the sword by King Herod. You can read about it in Acts chapter 12. John, his brother, would later be arrested and exiled. And so the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, who wanted to sit in preeminence in the Lord's kingdom, were the first and the last apostles to die. Verse 40. Jesus says, But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. See, the rewards of the kingdom are not given to satisfy some misguided sinful ambition. They are granted by the divine sovereign will of the Father. Now notice what happens in verse number 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They got angry. A fight broke out. Their desire to be honored stirred the anger of the other disciples because guess what? Why did it stir their anger? Because they wanted to be honored too. 
And see, this is what that me-first ambition does. It creates conflict. I mean, we see it every day, don't we? In the drive-thru at McDonald's. In the grocery store line at the stoplight if you don't gun it as soon as the light turns green. At the restaurant when the people who came in after you get their food first. It's real life. Me first. Me first ambition causes arguments at home when spouses feel slighted by the other or when kids don't get their way. It's at work when employees don't get the recognition they feel they've earned. It creates havoc in the church when certain preferences or certain requests aren't satisfied. Friends, guess what? We all are the kindergartner griping because someone else got to go first. And oh, how we need to repent of our selfish ambition. It's in this church. Friends, it's in this pastor. We've got to repent of it. How often do we have the same kind of, well, we, we want you to do whatever we ask kind of attitude toward the Lord Jesus. As if, he, as if He's some sort of genie in the bottle. But it's not only how we treat Jesus, it's how we treat each other. Whatever we ask. Because we are ambitious, me-first sinners at heart. Thankfully, though, there is a remedy. (laughs) And so let's look at our last main heading this morning. Following Christ means sacrificially serving others. Verse 42, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, talking about the twelve, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. They abuse their power, he said. And their great ones exercise authority over them. He said, you guys are acting just like Gentiles. That's how they act. Competing with each other, arguing about who gets a position of prominence in the kingdom. Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you. Friends, everybody wants to be great. doesn't matter if you're seeking a following on Instagram or not. In our hearts, there is this innate fallen desire to be honored, recognized, affirmed, praised. We want to be great. It shall not be among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And verse 44, whoever would be first among you must be what? Slave of all. Now some translations, they they want to soften that word a little bit. It's the Greek word doulos. It means slave. Slave. Friends, the Christian life is absolutely incompatible with self-serving ambition. 
Jesus says, you want greatness and glory? (laughs) Then become like a slave. Don't presume that anyone owes you anything. Just reach out and serve. Serve when you're not recognized. Serve when you're offended. Serve when your spouse hurts your feelings. Serve when your friends leave you out of something. Serve when your siblings create a mess at home that you have to clean up. Serve sacrificially. And Jesus wants to show His disciples exactly what this looks like, and so He points to Himself. Look at verse number 45. For even the Son of Man, talking about Himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He says to to His disciples, You guys want greatness? You want to sit beside Me in glory? You watch what I'm about to go do in Jerusalem. Or the only two on his right and on his left were the criminals crucified with him. Friends, there is no greater humiliation than to see the divine creator and Lord of the universe, the Son of God and Son of Man, hang naked and bloody on a cross, bearing sins that were not His own. We speak in theology of the humiliation of Christ. Jesus is the ultimate model of sacrifice, but friends, He is far more than our model. That's the mistake that Gandhi made. Well, Jesus is a great teacher. We can follow His example. That's not enough. Jesus is more than our model. He is our substitute. You see, no amount of personal sacrifice, no amount of good works, no amount of serving can atone for our sin. That infinite price, it's infinite because our God is infinitely holy. Our Creator is infinitely holy. And so our sin against Him is infinite. That price can only be paid by an infinitely valuable substitute. That's what it means when He says, I will be your ransom. I will give my life as a ransom for many. His life was the price that He paid to free us from the just penalty of our sin. Friends, right now, all of us need to travel with Jesus here in Mark 10 down that road to Jerusalem. Or perhaps I should say up that road because you always go up to Jerusalem. We need to go with Him there. We need to fix our eyes upon the cross of Jesus, an instrument of derision and death. And we need to find on His shoulders our sins laying there. On the sinless Son of God, and we need to kneel there in repentance and faith in His righteousness. Sinners, 
saved by grace alone. That's what we are. Friends, there is no hope for you this morning if you are trusting in anything else. It doesn't matter if you've been a member of this church for 50 years. If you are trusting in anything but Christ's righteousness alone, you are damned. Whether it's your parents' faith, whether it's your religious upbringing, your church membership, your own goodness, you've got to let go of all of that and trust in Christ alone. I want to invite you to do that right now. Right there where you're at, it's time to do business with God. If you need to talk, I'll stay here with you and talk as long as you need. I'll pray with you. If you want to stay and just pray in this sanctuary, it'll be open as long as you need. But do not walk out of here this morning without trusting in Christ alone. Let's pray.